Let's pray. Dear Father, please send your Holy Spirit to fill our hearts and fill this assembly. Dear Lord, we are only an earthen vessel. That's all. Please, Lord, empty us of self and fill us with the sweet fragrance of Jesus. In his name, amen. I am so grateful that prayer is a fundamental component of this. Maybe I should be speaking next to those. Can I just speak right here? Uh, that prayer is a fundamental component of this conference. And you have the spiritual undergirding to do God's work in this world. So many professionals today are telling me, be they engineers, dentists, medical doctors, different professionals are telling me, we enjoy our work and we help a lot of people, but there is more to life than just practicing medicine. We need to advance God's kingdom by winning souls for Jesus Christ. I see this everywhere I travel. Because we know the Lord is coming soon. Nature is crying out and saying, this is a wake-up call from the heart of God. Something is happening. And we know because of international terrorism, because of the catastrophes around the world, that God is speaking to our world, to our conscious, and saying, wake up, do something special. And business is not business as usual. And so I'm so glad that in Amen you have this emphasis on the spiritual component. And so I want to talk about prayer, but the prayer that's Christ-centered the prayer that says, I'm not strong enough. I need the mighty anointing of the Spirit. The prayer that emphasizes not so much our weak prayer, but rather the mighty prayers of Jesus that indict our weak prayers. So uh, I got something in the... Uh, uh, I, I got something on, in my email about prayer. It's interesting what you get on your email. It's supposed to make my life more smooth. But uh, I don't mind if this is taped. Let me confess to the whole world. I do have 2,300 email messages I'm still wrestling with. Every day I try to eliminate some, but they keep piling up. And sometimes I have this fight between spending two hours every day on this or doing some other work like leading my students to Christ. And sometimes leading my students to Christ wins out. Praise the Lord. And I just wish my computer would crash and all these things would be deleted, then I could have a brand new life. Have a new page. So anyway, I once in a while look at this, and this came through, which brought a smile to my face. This is a form of a prayer. And the person praying early in the morning while he is still in bed, because, you know, he was told that before you do anything else, before you brush your teeth, before you take a shower, pray. So while he's in bed, start praying. 
Dear God, good morning. I just want you to know that so far, so good. I have not been grouchy or mean to anybody. I haven't uh, hurt anybody. I have not been mean to anyone. As far as I'm concerned, I have done nothing wrong yet. Never had the chance to. I'm just beginning my day. But in a few minutes, I'll be getting out of bed, and then I'll need a lot of help. Thank you, Lord. And I thought about this, and I said, you know, when it comes to our prayer life, we all need a lot of help. A lot of help. That's why Romans 8, 26 says that the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings. Too much for human words to express. Have you ever heard somebody groan? You know, in America, I don't hear many people groan because we have it good. Have you ever groaned? You know what groaning means? I was a mission in Africa. I heard many people groan. Groan from the gut. Groan because of hunger, starvation, suffering, pain. I'm sure as medical doctors you've heard people groan, struggling between life and death. And now, to multiply this billions of times over, and imagine the third person of the Godhead groaning for us. And you ask him, what are you groaning about? And he says, I'm groaning for you. Why? Because I love you. And I want to empower your prayer life. Why do you want to do that? Because your prayer life is weak. It needs some empowering. That's why it says, likewise, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Because we don't know how to pray as we ought. Therefore, our, weak, our prayer life is weak. We don't know how to pray as we ought to. But the Holy Spirit Himself helps in that area. He helps us because we're weak in our prayer life. And so, tomorrow we'll be talking about the groanings of the Spirit, but today we'll be talking about the heart cry of the Son. Because Jesus not only specializes in interceding for us, and we know it's biblical, it's evident, the whole Bible is full of Jesus crying out in prayer for us, but the question is, how does he do it? He does it passionately. Hebrews 5, 7, when Jesus prayed, he prayed with vehement cries and tears. I want to submit to you this morning that when Jesus prays, he prays with all his heart for you and me. He prays passionately. He prays with strong crying and tears. And when the Holy Spirit prays for us, he prays with groanings that reverberates throughout the whole cosmos. You wonder why in the world the Holy Spirit is groaning and the answer comes back loud and clear. He is groaning for you. The Apostle Paul says earlier in Romans 8 that the whole creation is groaning. And then, number two, he talks about we, as the children of God, groaning for adoption. And in verse 26, like the Holy Spirit joins the mighty groanings of the creation, the groanings of you and me, he likewise joins us. Our little groanings are swallowed up in the mighty groanings of the Holy Spirit. 
all of heaven is interested in our prayer life. I was, uh, I was visiting Telj Hall. This is our men's dorm at Southern Adventist University. I do that. This is part of my teaching. I am I'm an old-fashioned professor who makes house calls. You know, more and more in our society, in our church, we need to make house calls. It's kind of an old-fashioned thing. You know, today even pastors don't want to make house calls. Even pastors. Uh, they, they just want to sit in their office and wait for people to come to them. And they talk about some members who are high-maintenance people. You know, I don't want to think of my people as cars to be fixed. They are people made in Christ's image. I don't care how high-maintenance they are. Our prime example to be pastors is the Lord Jesus Christ. And He went forth searching for the sheep. And so I have two sermons I preach to pastors when I speak at workers' meetings. The two sermons are untitled. The lost sheep, and then the second was the lost shepherd. You know, where are these shepherds? The sheep are trying to find the shepherd. Where is he when my uncle dies? Where is he when I'm admitted to the hospital? How come when I call, I only get an answering machine? And I leave a message. Is there somebody I can talk to? Well, I talk to some of these pastors gently but firmly because I want to help them pastor like Jesus. See, Jesus is our, is our prime example how to pastor. We cannot do better than follow the example of Jesus. And I say, by the way, uh, you know, what about the sheep? There's a, such a vacuum in our church today. It's a very marketable product that you visit people. They love it. And when they know you love them, love covers a multitude of sins. And even if you don't preach well, they love you. And the conference office won't get so many calls. You see, you know, uh, uh, there's some sheep looking for you. Well, Dr. Saman, I don't like sheep. Excuse me? We all have spiritual gifts, you know. If you don't like sheep, don't be a shepherd. It's as simple as that. Well, you know, sheep smell bad. Well, excuse me? If you don't like the smell of sheep, do something else and God will bless you. And so, as a professor, I, I believe Christian education is more than dispensing information. It's more than giving lectures. Oh, I like to give the most exciting lectures. I punctuate my lectures with stories and experience. We have a blast in the class. But there is more to teaching than having exciting lectures and having exciting discussion. And the students say, wow, this is really a great class. There is more to it than that. This is just the beginning. That's so what happens after the lecture. And that's following Christ's model as our master teacher that, that Christian education is more than dispensing information. It's the investment of ourselves and our young people. Why? Because only, it's only life that begets life. It's, not only, it's only, not only the communication of mind with mind, but heart with heart. You've got to invest yourself in people like Jesus invests himself in people. 
Like I worked at the general conference for a while. It was a wonderful, exciting experience. And if you don't recognize me this morning because I'm getting older, you know, I don't have as much hair, I lost some of this at the general conference. <laughs> and there was a prominent leader at the general conference, I won't say the name. I wanted to see him about major issues, theological issues. And he always said to me, email me. I want to see you face to face. There's something about meeting people face to face. No, just email me. Well, how can I email you? We're talking about delicate theological things. We're talking about addressing certain needs in the world. No, just email me. Well, I want to see you face to face. No, just email me. Well, first of all, I don't like to email people. Secondly, I don't think Jesus would have said that. I want to follow the example of Jesus. And one time I caught him in the elevator. Oh, that's a good place to catch leaders. In the elevator. Why? Because it is, it, it is like enclosed. It's like a little prison. Uh, you know, you cannot just open a window. It's just locked up. So I look at him. And I said, you know, I've been wanting to talk to you. Face to face. Have eye contact see body language. You know, I just talked to God this morning. I didn't email God. I talked to Him. Can I please talk to you? He said, if you put it that way, you can. So I got my appointment, which took about an hour and a half, and we accomplished a lot of things. My friends, technology is okay, but God made us in His image to take control of technology, not technology taking control of us. We cannot forget to follow the example of Jesus. So anyway, I visit my students. You know, I, I have <laughs> seating charts. I have 325 students. I love students. It's so exciting. Can you imagine you, your, your precious possession entrusted to us? And so my goal by the end of the semester is to meet each one of my students one-to-one, ascertain their spiritual condition, lead them to Christ, to Christ get them involved in witnessing. In reaching out to their classmates, become student missionary. It's the most exciting thing to work with young people, help them make big decisions. And so I was uh, in the dorm. I knocked at the door of the student. Earlier that day, he said, to all his classmates, a class of 80 students, that he wanted them to pray for him. Because we have prayer requests before we start our class. It's amazing how many young people have prayer requests for their parents, their relatives, their friends. I could spend the whole class period receiving prayer requests. And he said his father, an elder in the church, a good father, a good elder, a good husband, a good family man. All of a sudden, in his midlife years, something happened to him. <laughs> he said, my mother called me last night so distraught. And she said, my, your dad is going crazy. I can't explain what's happening to him. He decided to go and live with his secretary, younger secretary. He mentioned this in class. He said, it's embarrassing, but I'm, I'm just going crazy. I can't believe it. It's just unsettling my whole life. Please pray for my dad, for God to rescue him. 
it breaks your heart when you have a teenager begging his classmates to pray for his dad. It really touched me. And so I thought about this all day. In the evening, I went to tell Jehol, the boys, I knocked at his door. And, I, and students know I visit them. Oh, Dr. Samana, you coming to my room? Yes. Is there a problem? No. You see, we're conditioned our society to reach out to people because there's a problem. Can't we reach out to people when things are okay? So when there's a problem, we can deal with it better. There are many people that only deal with each other. There's a problem to solve. He said, well, he's trying to help me now. Because it's so unusual for a professor to pop up at somebody's door in the dorm. Now, Dr. Saman, did I fail my test? No, I haven't yet graded your test. Did the dean say something bad about me? No, I didn't talk to the dean. He's trying to find a reason why I'm there. Well, Dr. Saman, why are you here? I'm just here for you. You mean just for little me? Yeah, you're worth it. After all, doesn't Ellen White say in Ministry of Healing, page 143, Jesus mingled with people. 